Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Awesome. Well, guys, welcome to church today from wherever you may be. Um, If I haven't met you before, my name is Ruth Holly and I am the Generations Pastor here at Bright Church. And as always, it is my privilege and my honour to be able to share the word with you today. I hope that you are excited. Um, I'm excited to get into it. My prayer today is that you are able to take something from this message today. Um, whether it be something new that you've learned or maybe it's just a reminder of a truth that you needed. I, I just pray that today that you are able to take something away from it. So I want to take this opportunity just to pray before we get into the word. So Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the good God that you are. And Father, today we just want to take an opportunity to to tune in, to listen, to hear what it is that you are saying to us and to rediscover the truth over our lives. Jesus, today I pray that we would have open hearts to hear what you're saying, open ears to hear and to listen. And God, I pray that people would be touched by this message today and that it would glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, guys, if you have um, done any level of study, whether it's tertiary, maybe secondary, you would know what I mean when I say that study is full of all sorts of theories, models, concepts, principles, all these things that essentially take a pretty simple thing a lot of the time and just try to make it way too complicated. Right now, for me uh, in university, I studied occupational therapy and one of these models was the model of human occupation, also known as MOHO. Now, any of those OTs out there will probably be having flashbacks to all of the assignments and hours spent learning this model. And there's one word in this model, one kind of, I suppose, part of it, which is called habituation. Now, habituation is something that has always stuck with me. There are so many models that I do not remember a single thing of, but this word habituation is something that has actually stuck with me um, for many years now. And it's it's a word that perhaps maybe overcomplicates the, uh, the concept, but essentially what it means is your role. So in life, we all fill our time with roles. Maybe for you, it's the role of a mother. Maybe for you, it's the role of a father. Maybe it's being a worker. Maybe it's a daughter or a son. We all have different roles in life. And the thing is, as, as time goes and as our life continues, we, we transition through these different roles in our life. We are never just going to be one role for all of our life, but as time moves, as time goes, we end up transitioning through these roles. And you see, as we do this, it's really natural for us to struggle as we are forced to transition through these times in life. Because what ends up happening is that we almost attach this, attach this sense of identity. We attach this sense of ourselves to the things that we are doing, to our roles in life. And it's a really natural thing to do, but because of that shift, often we find ourselves really struggling during those times as as we're forced to change as life continues to move on. And, you know, as Christians, 
yes, we are going to experience these changes. And yes, there is a level of, uh, you know, normality that we would expect as we transition through these times. But as, as the world moves on, as, as time transitions, as things change, our sense of identity actually doesn't need to change with it. You see, we're going to have a look at a scripture um, in Ephesians today, um, but we're going to just focus in on this sense of identity. And so as we jump into Ephesians, I just wanted to give you a little bit of context um, just about the book of Ephesians and and what it is. So it's really a letter. It's a letter uh, written to the churches of Ephesus. And these you know, these churches are spread around and this letter was really designed to go around all of these churches. But what this letter does, it's not so much a letter of correction or anything like that. It's written by Paul or so we think. Um, So it's written by Paul and, and it's not so much a letter of correction like some of the letters are. It's actually more of a letter that shows us our, our position, our spot, in the grand scheme of history, in this grand scheme of this grand plan. And so it shows a picture of who we were, who we are, and where we're headed. So we're going to jump into Ephesians 2, and we're going to read from verse 1 to 10. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love of which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God or it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I tell you what, it is well and truly cold Winter is here, it is upon us. As a summer person, I am already looking forward to summer. But this one thought does always enter my mind when it comes to winter. Okay, every time it gets to winter, I think to myself, how on earth did I get through last year with my current wardrobe situation? Like, how, how was I warm enough? Did, did I have the right clothes in my wardrobe because all of a sudden I walk into the shops or I see things that people are wearing and all of a sudden I just want this whole new wardrobe because the other one just will not do. I don't know if anyone else has this thought when they get to winter where it's like how did I get through last winter? I'm really not sure. I must need to go shopping. Now in the heart of trying to be a good steward of my finances um, of course I don't go out and buy my entire new wardrobe but you see the fashion industry is very clever they're always creating this sense of want, this sense of you need this. Now, a year earlier, I might have been fine, but by a year later, somehow I just need everything new and everything is updated. 
You see, a bit like the fashion industry, our world is just like this. We just update and update and update and the world is continually moving and moving quite fast. You see, a little while ago um, when I was praying, I was praying particularly for youth and just the generations of our church and, you know, this image popped into my mind. Now, if you haven't been around church much or um, maybe this is your first time, a massive welcome to you. I'm so glad that you would join us today. Um, as Christians, we believe that um, our God is a relational God. So he wants to have relationship with us. Now, if you picture any relationship in your life um, and you consider it this way as just think about it, like no, neither of you ever talking to each other, right? That would be weird, wouldn't it? That would totally be weird. The relationship would not go very far and it probably wouldn't work very well for you. Well, the same thing with God. If we couldn't talk to God or he didn't talk to us, that relationship could only go so deep. But I am, you know, I'm so grateful because we have a God who wants to know us and he wants to communicate with us. And so in a totally not weird way, um, you know, it's not necessarily some big audible voice like we might see in the movies, um, but God speaks to us. And often the way that he does this is through pictures or through thoughts that might come into our mind as we're praying and talking to him. And so on this particular day, I was praying and this image came into my mind and you see this image, I'll explain it for you. It was a rack of jackets, just a rack of clothing and it was just jackets. Right, and on this rack of clothing, we've got your biker jacket, we've got the rock star jacket, we've got like the dancing queen diva jacket, we've got the corporate jacket for the business person. You know, there's all these different jackets. You've got your hippie jacket, you've got your snow jacket. There are so many different jackets laid out on this rack. And as I kind of asked God, like, you know, what, what, are you, what are you saying through this? I felt as though God impressed upon me, you know, we are. Uh, so we are, as people, we are standing in front of this rack of clothing and we're looking at it and we're going, no, should I take this one? No, that one's not going to work. Listening to the opinions and the perspectives of people around us, trying to appease the people around us in the world, trying to look at who, who am I? What, what jacket do I choose? Do I, do I, do, do I be the rock star? No, that, that's not going to work. Oh, wait, do I, do I be the diva? No, that's, I'm not going to find affirmation for that. Trying to look around and trying to work out who am I? Who am I supposed to be? And we start doing this thing that I've come to know as identity shopping. We start to go shopping for our identity. You see, your identity is something that you shouldn't shop for. As I said, our world is always updating. It's always updating. Think about any device that you have. Somehow now it's like every second day my devices want an update. You know, having it every couple of months was enough for me. But every couple of days something needs an update. Our world is always updating. But your identity, your identity is something that doesn't go out of fashion. Your identity is something that does not need updating. You see, as fads change and as the environment around you changes, your sense of identity does not need to change along with it. We don't need a Sunday you and then a you that's you when you're at work and then a you that's you with this group of friends versus that group of friends. It's different when you're with your family. We don't need multiple yous. We just need you. Okay, so as our, as our environment might change around us, we, we don't need to change our sense of identity with it. And 
I just want to clarify that today as I talk about identity, this can, I suppose, mean many things to us. And I'm not meaning our personality. I'm not meaning our expression of ourself. What I'm meaning when I'm talking about our identity is our security in who we are. It's our sense of value, our sense of worth, our sense of who we truly believe ourselves to be at the core of us. You see, because the world changes so much, because the world continues to update It's almost as though we get this sense that our identity needs to be fluid along with it. It's like I'm this person one year, but then a couple of years later, that's not fitting the mould. So now I'm someone else and I've got to change who I'm going to become. And it's almost as though our identity starts to get this fluid motion. But your identity as a Christian is not fluid, it's fixed. You see, as the world changes, our God remains the same. So... As our God is the same, it means that our sense of self and who we are can remain the same as well. If you have been saved, if you have salvation in Christ, then your identity is in Christ. See, salvation is a word that that we use for the moment when someone accepts Jesus into their life, for the moment they decide to believe in him, to follow him. And again, I'm not sure today if you're a Christian or not. I'm not sure... Maybe what's brought you to listen um, and tune in today. I don't know if maybe your friend made you or maybe just popped up on your Facebook feed or maybe you're curious and you thought, ah, it's a Sunday. I'm sure a church will be on somewhere. Maybe that's you. I'm not sure. And I'm also not sure today what perspectives you've come with. Whether you're Christian or not, I'm not sure what perspective you might have of who God is. But I don't know, have you ever had that that moment where someone has made a judgment about you that is just so not true like you you know you may not have even met this person but because of what they've heard from other people or the things that they've put together from what they've seen they've made this they've made this idea of who you are that's just so far from the truth of who you actually are well when this happens it's usually pretty uncomfortable and it's not really fair But the reality is, is that as the world, we do this to God all the time. You see, the world has almost created this sense of who God is that if I'm going to be really honest with you, I would say is often really misinformed and also really misjudged. And so wherever you are today, whoever you might be, I would love it if you would just give me a moment just to tell you the truth about who Jesus is, the truth about our God and the truth about who who he who he actually is you see we believe in a God who is incredibly loving we believe in a God who is very relational we believe in a God who wants to know you a God who wants you to find the love that is only in him and a God that wants you to find the security that can only be found in him and knowing him you see God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus he sent him to earth so that he could live a perfect life. Now it's important that he lived that perfect life because as people we have this issue. It's an issue called sin. Essentially, it's an issue where we just keep making mistakes. You know, you try to do the right thing, but you know, none of us are free of making those mistakes in life and just missing that mark of what God has for us. And so it was impossible for us to live a perfect life. So Jesus came to earth. He lived that perfect life in our place. And then he was the one that went to the cross and he died on the cross for our sins, carrying the weight of that, carrying the weight of all of our mistakes. 
And on the third day, he rose again. And when he rose again, it says he defeated the power of sin, which was death. Now that's important because what that means is that the enemy now has no hold over you. It means that God has once and for all, you know, demonstrated his authority and power and he's an all-powerful God and the enemy has absolutely no hold on you. So when it comes to our identity, the enemy has no hold on who you are, but you are who God says that you are in Christ. You see, we believe in such a loving, loving God and we can find so much security and peace in him. There are so many different messages in the world. Right, There are all these different messages that, that come to us and things that we can believe in and all of that. But we need to be so careful about what we actually choose to believe, what we actually, the messages that we choose to follow. You see, the world says that you have to earn your place. You have to earn who you are. Jesus says you just have to accept it. Your identity is found in your salvation. Now, I've got a question for you today, okay? So do you know the truth about who you are? Like, who are you? Not who your friends say you are, not who maybe your parents have said that you are, not who your boss says that you are, not who your kids say you are. Who are you? What is the truth about who you are? Because Jesus believed that you were worth dying for. He believed that you were so valuable that it wasn't, dependent on what you wear it's not dependent on how you express yourself or anything like that but it's found in that message that I just told you about the goodness of a God who loves us so much that Jesus died on the cross for us and a God that is all-powerful and wants to know you and love you you see in life when we want something and we go shopping for it we usually pay a price for it right well in life when it comes to our identity and we're kind of looking around trying to work out like who are we meant to be to please the people around us more often than not we end up paying a price for it you know I remember going on exchange to France um, many years ago when I was 16 years old and I um, remember two of my friends from the time they came over and they stayed in um, uh, in the same village as I did now here at that point in time when you're a 16 year old Smoking was not cool. It was bad for you. People knew it was bad for you and it just was not even on people's radar. Whereas over there when you were 16, smoking was the cool thing to do. If you wanted to fit in, smoking was kind of like smoking and drinking and partying. That was really important in their culture at that time. And so here we are, we're in France and, you know, trying to make friends and all those things. And I tell you what, my two friends, despite their values and their perspectives and the way that they had been raised in this environment, we got over there and before long, both of them have picked up smoking. You know, we came back to Australia and both of them were addicted to smoking by the time we got back at the age of 16. Why? Because the peer pressure to please the world, the people that they thought that they needed to show themselves to be their identity got so caught up that they ended up compromising who they are and that is a significant price to pay. We might compromise our morals, we might compromise our values, we might compromise our health, we might compromise our financial position. I don't know if anyone out there is, you know, forking out more money than their paycheck because they're just trying to keep up with the world, they're trying to fit in. Well, you know, God, he, he paid a price. Jesus, he paid the price. And the Bible says that he paid a, a big price, a heavy price for us. 
We don't then need to go out and choose a different identity to pay for again. Jesus already paid the price for your identity and the security that we have in him. You see, we don't have to come to God with an idea of who we think we should be. We don't have to come to God. We don't need to change and then come to God. That's actually not how it works. Many of you might have um, watched the Netflix series, The Good Place, right? Well, I'm relieved to tell you that we are not in The Good Place because you see The Good Place, it runs on a point system. And so if you do enough good things and you get enough points, then you get into The Good Place. But in reality, when it comes to what we believe, that's, that's not how it works at all. You see, you don't need to change for God. Come to him and he'll change you. We, we get this backwards perspective of this like backwards equation sometimes where we think that, you know, we, if, we, if we just do good works, it'll result in God's love. But it's actually, that's not how it works. God's love results in the good works that Paul was talking about. Typically, I feel like we can do this, right? It's really easy to, to try to do it this way. We kind of, um, <laughs> we go into the world first. We listen to the thoughts, perspectives of people in the world. Um, we look at, you know, our actions and what we do in our job. And, you know, did we fail at that? Did we win at that? Are we winning at life? Are we not? You know, we take and then we listen to what people say about it. And we start to form this sense of who we are from that. We then go to God and we take that to God and then we see God through that lens. Whereas, again, we've got, it, we've got it backwards. What we're actually meant to do is go to God, go to his word, look at who you are, who he's called you to be, look at who your true identity is in Christ and then we take that into the world and see the world through that lens. You see... <laughs> We have a vision as a church. We are really passionate as a church to be able to make a positive impact in this world. And one of the ways that we see to do that is for people to actually know the freedom and the truth of who Jesus is. And so we, you know, have this line in our vision statement about wanting to see this world less like the world that we know and more like the heaven that we long for. We want to see it be a better place. But how do we expect to do that if we're so busy being impacted by the very thing that we're trying to change? If we just become like the world, how do we ever think that we are going to impact it? See, when you understand who you are, you are positioned to live in true freedom. I've got another question for you. Who are you living for? Who are you living for? Is it you? Is it your family? Is it your work? Is it, you know, someone else, something else? I don't know. Who are you trying to live for? Well, whatever it might be, can I remind you of this, that we are called to live for God and you can't live for both God and man. You see, what does Paul say in Galatians? He says, I live not to please man, but to please God. They're two completely incompatible goals. You can't do both. It's one or the other. And we're called to please God. See, if we're pleasing people, how are we ever going to be good enough? Like if we're trying to please people, they're always changing their mind. You've got to say the right thing, do the right things, buy the right things, but then they change their mind a year later anyway. So pleasing man is actually an impossible task. You know, have you ever got a present that you really didn't want? I don't know how many people have um, played the version of Kris Kringle at Christmas called Bad Santa. 
So for those of you who haven't played before, essentially Bad Santa, instead of buying a present specifically for someone, you buy all the pre- like you buy a present, you bring it, and then you pick numbers out of a hat to, to decide who's going to go first and who's going to go last. Now, in this game, you really, really, this is like the time when you do not want to choose number one, okay? You actually don't want to go first because if you go first, you've got no idea. You have pick of the presents, but you've got no idea what's in the presents. Whereas if you go last, you get to know everything that's been opened and you get to steal whatever present you want to. Okay, so you don't want to be first, you want to be last. But the thing is, is when you are number one, it's really difficult because you're looking at all these presents and the only way that you can kind of choose is by looking at which present is wrapped nicely. Now, I feel like there's always one in every friendship group who will choose a really bad present but then try to make it really appealing because they get such a kick out of when someone chooses their present and then it's really disappointing and they're now stuck with a terrible gift because no one is going to be stealing that. It kind of brings that whole like looks are deceiving to a whole new level. When you open a present that looks good, you're excited about the present and then you get the present and it's terrible and then you're stuck with it, right? Well, You see, the enemy, he is a master of deception, looks are deceiving. He will package a completely undesirable gift and he will put it in the most beautiful wrapping and make it look so appealing to us because he is a master of deception. And he does this in our lives all the time. He makes things look appealing and makes things look attractive. But when we actually then get close enough to open the gift, to 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 dive more into that thing that looked so appealing, Usually it's just a trap to fool us, to pull us further away from God. You know, the Bible talks a lot about what we should actually wear. It talks about like the jackets and things that we should actually put on, the clothing that we should wear. And yes, physically, it's not so much talking physically as it is spiritually. But I think that we should remind ourselves of this. You know, initially when we choose a a different type of identity based on the perspectives of the people around us, we might receive some of that affirmation. It's like the path of least resistance. You usually receive some of that affirmation at first. But the thing is, is that as the world changes, you no longer fit the mold. It's a trick. It looks appealing, but in the end, it can turn out to be a disaster because you no longer fit the mold. And when we do that, it gets so confusing. We end up riddled with insecurity because it's so unpredictable about who we should actually be. So we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about what we should put on. See, in Galatians 3, 27 to 28, in the NLT version, it says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. Ephesians 4, 24, And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Isaiah 61.10, he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. You know, I really hope that this encourages someone today. If you are unsure about who God calls you to be, or maybe you just need a reminder, listen in right now to this. 
Okay, the Bible says this. It says that you are a child of God, Galatians 3, fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139, set apart before you were born and known by God, Jeremiah 1, a royal priesthood, 2 Peter 2, co-heir with Christ, Romans 8, made in the image of God, Genesis 1, and chosen, John 15. You see, this is the truth about who you are. And this truth is not up for grabs. This truth does not change depending on the world and the environment around you. And when we live in this truth, we're able to be free from striving to please other people, free from striving to be someone that we were never designed to be, free from the fears and and trying to meet the expectations of other people and meet their perspectives. When we let this truth really sit in our heart and we let this truth really become who we are, It allows us to reframe our self-worth. It allows us to see our value in light of our salvation, in light of what Jesus did for us on the cross and therefore who we get to be because of what Jesus did for us. You know, I love when we can remember truth over our lives because it's kind of like we're taking back ground that the enemy was subtly trying to steal away. As I said, he's a master of deception. Half the time, we don't even know when he's trying to fool us until it's too late. And when we take, when we remind ourselves of this, maybe you need to remind yourself of this every day. I don't know, but when we take back truth, we're taking back the ground that the enemy was trying to subtly steal away. You know, all the popularity in the world, all of your best moments, all of your mistakes, the type of parent you think you are, whether you think you're winning at life, losing at life, it doesn't make you who you are because you are who God says that you are. And that, your identity, who he says that you are, it is not up for grabs. Your identity doesn't go out of fashion and you don't need to earn it, you just need to accept it. See, you received a new citizenship. When you decided to follow Jesus, the Bible says that we are citizens of heaven. Now think about citizenship, right? At the moment, it's literally our ticket into the country. But other than that, it is, you know, it's our culture. Our citizenship often reflects our home, you know, the governance that we sit under. Our citizenship, you know, can say so much about us and, and, and how we operate and, and our nature and, and who we've, you know, who we, who we are. Remember, the Bible says that we're of the world. We're not in the world. We are of the, sorry, we are, <laughs> the Bible says that we are, that we are in the world, not of the world. It's important to get that one right. Okay. We are in the world. We are not of the world because we are citizens of heaven, not citizens of this world. You know, I'm not saying that we don't need to stay relevant. Like if I turned up today dressed like Jesus and just told you that I'm trying to be more like Jesus, I would have totally missed the point, right? You know, Jesus, he was actually incredible, incredibly relevant to his culture. He was incredibly countercultural in the ways that he thought, in the convictions that he had. But he was incredibly relevant in the analogies that he used, in the way that he um, spoke to people and explained things to people. We need to be relevant. You know, we need to be able to communicate with a world. And if we're not staying relevant, nobody is going to listen to you. Okay, it's really important that we stay relevant, but there is a difference between being in the world and of the world. In Romans 12 2, the NLT version, it says this. It says, don't copy behaviours and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person 
by changing the way that you think. You know, if something marks us as Christians, if something marks us as citizens of heaven, let it be this. Let it be the way that we love. You know, what does Jesus say? You'll know my disciples by the way that they love. You know, in Corinthians it says, you know, do everything through love. Let us be marked by the way that we love. We are all made different and that is a beautiful thing, but our identity in Christ is the same. If you have received salvation, your identity in Christ is the same and these truths are the same for each of us. You see, the jacket that we're supposed to put on, the one that we're supposed to take, is the one that pleases God. It's our identity in Him. And it's something that doesn't change. It's something that doesn't go out of fashion. But it's also something that doesn't blend in. Okay, it's not a jacket that's designed to blend in. Because as God's creation, we're supposed to point back to our Creator. So your identity, who you are, your security in Him, you wear that proudly and it points back to God as our Creator. You see, we have a responsibility to show off who our God is so that the world can know the truth about the good God that He is. He is a God that turns bondage to freedom, hell to heaven, darkness to light, despair to hope, wrath to glory and death to life. When we declare the truth over our identity, we position ourselves to walk out our life as He has created us to. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.